Hello, everybody. You are tuned in to the Walk Off Podcast here. I'm back with Jared again and Leroy. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're ticking down the hours to opening day. Our uh, our beloved Orioles open up in Boston on Thursday, and I could not be more excited. Me either, Leroy. We are literally hours away from the first game of the season of 162. We're counting down, and we're ending our series a division preview series with the AL East, which could be the most notorious division in baseball. So I'm very excited. Yeah, like Jared just said, we're here at our final division breakdown. We're finally here at the AL East, which means we are right before opening day. So we're going to kick it off here at the AL East. If we'll start with saying this, uh, we've been waiting all all these episodes to get here. If you guys haven't noticed, we're pretty big Oreo fans, so we're pretty excited about this AL East division breakdown and as you've seen we we normally take the bottom teams to talk about them first so we're going to talk about the orioles right away here it's going to be some fun for us but um i mean first let's get into it some additions here the orioles actually did go out and and get some pieces here via trades and um free agency one of the most recent years third baseman michael franco who came in was about two weeks ago he's fighting for that i think he's going to get that third base spot over rio ruiz he's someone who came over from Kansas City last year had a real good season, so it's going to be exciting to see how he does this season. Did lose a couple big people here. First off, I think it's just a bigger loss than it anyone would think is Hans Alberto. I mean, the lefty killer, he's on his way to Kansas City, one we talked about last episode, who I think it's going to be a really good fit there. I think it's going to be a great bench piece for that team. You know, we traded Alex Cobb to the Angels. We got our now 19th overall prospect in exchange for that. The second baseman, Jemai Jones. Pretty exciting kid to watch. He's been doing pretty well this spring. And we also lost Jose Iglesias, traded him to the Angels as well. That that was one, that was a tough one. I, I really liked Jose Iglesias last year. As we've seen, if you have any type of social media or been watching spring training, he has made three of the just most incredible like shortstop plays I've ever seen. So he's been lighting it up over there. We also brought in uh, Freddie Galvis here who's going to play shortstop for us this season. As well as just the other day, we went and traded for the Indians with some cash as starting pitcher Adam Plutko. We'll see. I'm not sure how that's going to work out now as spring training just ending um, where he's going to fit in. But when we look at this lineup here, there's a one thing that sticks out to me. We get to see Trey Mancini back. I think every baseball fan around the country is not even just Oriole fans can be real happy about seeing him returning from his stage three colon cancer diagnosis just a little over a year ago. And here he is back in spring training, you know, hitting the ball all over the place. I'm going to see Anthony Santander this year, which is going to be a big storyline for the Orioles with he's going to stay. Is he going to get traded? Coming off a real good season last year where it was cut short to that oblique injury. And then who I think is no bias, the AL Rookie of the Year uh, top piece, top prospect. I think he's going to win it. That's Ryan Mountcastle who came up last year, really showed Oreo fans that what is going on in this rebuild it is working and we're starting to see some of the those pieces come up as he was really one of the first ones to come up and just you know really shine for the Orioles last year it was really exciting to see so I'll go to you Jared first we'll know what you think about our Orioles here yeah Justin I think it's going to be the easiest decision in MLB's history for AL comeback player of the year and it's going to be Trey Mancini. I mean, as long as Trey Mancini hits like 250 or 260 with 20-plus home runs in the season, he's going to win AL Comeback Player of the Year. Um, and, yeah, I agree with you. Rookie of the Year, Ryan Mountcastle, no bias there. 
dude is insanely good if you haven't been watching in spring training or at all in the little time he had in the majors last year. We're finally getting to see as Oriole fans that bubble of players we know are going to be a part of the future with Mount Castle. We're going to see Adley Rutschman very, very soon. And then you have guys like Austin Hayes, uh, Cedric Mullins. Um, interesting pieces there um, for sure. Uh, and like you said, Jermont Jones, we got from the Angels. Uh, he's he's going to be sliding into second base sooner or later. Ryland Bannon's going to be up this year. Um, the pitching is not as bad as people think it is for us. Um, John Means is going to start opening day. Looks a little rough in his last outing, but that's okay. Uh, normally, he gets going later in the year. Um, we've got Matt Harvey, veteran signing there. Uh, he's looking to get his career back on track with a two-seamer and not a four-seamer. Um then we got young arms like Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken, who are pretty much uh, major league ready. Keegan Aiken getting option to AAA, but Kramer slotted in the number five uh, spot in the rotation. And Bruce Zimmerman, who had a fantastic spring, uh, he's going to be starting game three against the Red Sox. But this is the most exciting lineup of the rebuild so far. Uh, um, getting Mancini back, having a one through four in the lineup of Austin Hayes, Mancini, Anthony Santander, and Ryan Mountcastle. That's a pretty exciting top four for a rebuilding team. Uh, so I love uh, I like this team for a, real, a rebuilding team, right? We're not there yet. We're still going to probably be either in fifth or fourth place, probably in fifth. Um, but it's an exciting team that has a greater chance than 0.0 to make the playoffs, just saying. There's four, at least three or four teams that will finish the year worse than our Baltimore Orioles. Leroy, what do you think about this team? Ooh, oh, I love my Orioles. I, I got to tell you, I, I absolutely love my Orioles, but I don't know that I'm as uh, as bullish as, as you guys are in a lot of ways. So first of all, let's just get this out there. The AL East is absolutely freaking stacked. It's stacked. I mean, the Yankees are, are nasty. Toronto is looking nasty. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. And Boston is, you know, they're a sleeping giant. They, if you look at fan graphs, every team in the AL East, except the Orioles, are predicted to have a winning record. So the AL East is absolutely stacked, which, which makes uh, the work of the Orioles hard. And, and here's what's hard for me. I'm an eternal optimist. I look forward to every baseball season with optimism going in i'm going maybe if this happens if this happens if this happens we can be competitive <laughs> it's not there this year guys minus multiple plane crashes around the country of <laughs> it's not happening this year and it's unfortunate but the the future's bright right we know that the future's bright for this team the number five five ranked farm system in all of baseball we love to see that um if you look at you know the al east in general if you look at the vegas odds for al rookie of the year four of the top five players come out of the al east and two of them are orioles ryan mountcastle and uh adley rutschman and you know that may be you know just playing off the hype who knows we don't know how much we're going to see him this year and, and uh you know, it's it's quite likely service time and all that. We may not see him until much later. Um, you know, last year the Orioles jumped out and surprised us, right? We were we were all watching the games every night. We're texting back and forth. Did you see this? Did you see that? And we're excited because the team is looking good. And 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 you know, I mean, hey, they stayed in it for albeit a shortened season, they stayed in it for a little while. And 
you know, Jared, you mentioned this top four of, of the lineup and, and it being exciting. And I don't disagree at all. I think that top four is really exciting. Uh, what, what really hurt the Orioles last year was their bottom three. Right. Um, but if you take the top four as it sits right now, and then you add Nunez, Hanser Alberto, Iglesias to that, right. As a seven, as a five, six, seven, and now you've got the makings of a team that's not bad, but the Orioles, and I'm sure they have a plan, decided they weren't in the plans. And that's what's kind of making me nervous because you mentioned Santander. There's talk of maybe him him being traded. And, and if they're competing by the, uh, if they're not competing by the trade deadline, he could be gone, which, which really hurts because he's young enough to be part of this, you know, future. So I, I don't know what's going on there. This is, this is a team that we keep hearing, uh, 2023, 2024, 2025, that's their year. And, um, that's all well and good. But once you get into that territory, now you're getting into a six, seven, eight year rebuild. It just doesn't seem right. Just something doesn't seem right there, but I'm excited for the young players. Um, Mountcastle, Aiken, you, you named them all. I'm not going to go through a name of again, but I'm really excited to see the young players, but Brandon Elias, you've got to give us something sooner than 2025. Orioles fans, we we need to, like the Royals fan we talked about last episode, we need to feel that in the moment, you know, we're not crushed uh, in, by April 15th. But at the same time, looking towards the future, you've got to give us that. I, I mean, you know, the attendance uh, for the Orioles has dropped drastically every year since 2016. And in 2019, it was almost at an all-time low, uh, certainly at an all-time low since they've been in Camden Yards. Um, the, the attendance in 2019 was at about one-third of what it was in 1997. That's, you know, you, you got to give us something. As Orioles fans, you got to, especially old guys like me. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be around for 2025. Come on, give me something. Give me something to root for this year. I love, I love tuning in. I love watching the young guys, but there's just something about being two, three, four games out of first place that just turns up the fan level a little bit and makes your, your favorite team must watch TV every night. Right. But once you get, you know, if it's May 15th and you're 10 games out of first, it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard to tune in. And, and if you listen to Fangrass, Fangrass has the Orioles finishing almost 30 games behind the Yankees. That's tough. I mean, that's tough for, for us Orioles fans. And, uh, you know, again, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big Orioles fan and uh, as well. And he said, you know, it really all comes down to pitching. And Jared, you were, you're a little bullish on the pitching. I hear I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there with you. I'm sorry. I will. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm just not there with you. When you go out and get a guy from the Indians, to help bolster your starting rotation is his career ERA is over five. That does not, uh, that does not speak of a ton of confidence in this uh, starting pitching. I'm hoping Har Harvey recovers things. John means has looked terrible and let's face it, except for a few starts at the end of the year, last year, he looked awful last year too. And if you look back to 2019, his big year, the, uh, the peripheral stats, 
look made his his 2019 look like it was unsustainable now we're seeing that um yeah i just you know the, the pitching uh the the one through four one through five hitters i'm good with the bullpen you know I, bullpens you know I, I i don't mind the bullpen um pitching's got me a little nervous and that bottom you know you can't go into every game with three automatic outs at the bottom of your lineup. And that's what it's looking like. You know, unfortunately the future is bright for the Orioles. I think they're doing it right. Don't get me wrong. I think they're doing it right. They're building this farm system that is, that was neglected. The farm system was neglected from 1998 until two years ago. Absolutely neglected. And uh, you you know, so I'm glad to see that, but, but you know, we're not, we're not a small market team. We can spend some money. Um, so, you know, I, I just hate, I just hate the perception that we're not trying and, um, you know, that's what it looks like to a lot of the baseball world right now. So I'm gonna get off that soapbox. Maybe we can do a, uh, we can do an Orioles, uh, podcast or you, know, <laughs> you can go, you guys can go to baltimorebattery.com and read all about it. But, um, you know, I just, uh, I want to be excited in April about the potential of my team this year. And not necessarily three years in the future. The question we need to ask ourselves is, why not? Right? Yeah. We almost had a why not season last year. We were holding on to that eighth seed for pretty much the first month of the season. So we were right in it, believe it or not. We were the Miami Marlins of the American League uh, for the mm-hmm. first half. Of and the I'll year. hang on to that as long uh, until, until you know, I will hang on to that. And I will watch every game. And I will and I will hang on to that uh, hope and that why not as long as humanly possible because it's just my nature. <laughs> um, you know, I'm an Orioles fan and I'm a Washington football team fan. I am, I am cursed, absolutely <laughs> cursed. With my sports fandom, but I hang in there every year and, and, you know, I try to be positive and I, and I will be this year. If this goes right, if this goes right, if this goes right, and I'm going to keep feeling that, um, I just, you know, I just wish there were a little more positive, like, like we feel with like a Kansas city. Yeah. I mean, Leroy, I can't really say I disagree with you. There's definitely a lot going on with the Orioles. Um, and for a team that we, we watched them rebuild for like 17 years, I think it is safe to say that through this does feel a little different uh, to me, at least it does. I think there's a lot of things that Michael Elias and that new front office is doing that we've never seen in Baltimore before, like giving out all that money in the July's international signing period last year, where we went, Elias made it a point to go out and, and invest in that international market. When you look at these great teams, like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and all them, that's what they do so well. And that I think that is a new thing for us to see as fans. That's something we've never really seen much before i think that's something we're going to see uh coming in and then of course when you look at our farm system and it no bias it is loaded there's is just a crap ton of pieces that especially this year as compared to say in 2018 and 2019 that we're going to start seeing a lot more of those pieces i do think at some point we're going to see using diaz out there in the outfield who was the main piece of that manny machado trade with the dodgers back in 2018 I, I I don't know if we see Adley this year, to be completely honest with you. I don't really want to. I I don't want to see a situation where he's rushed like Matt Wieters was uh, back in the day to where he, you know, he didn't really develop much. But when I look at the bullpen, that's where I get really, really excited. And there's still more arms that are coming through. Well, right now we have Bruce Zimmerman as in a the starting rotation, a kid out of Baltimore 
come up this spring and it's just honestly it's surprised everybody really earned that role in the starting rotation that's going to be exciting to see then we'll see tanner scott probably going to actually take the closer role as hunter harvey is injured again tanner scott last season at a 126 era as a part of believe it or not was a top 10 bullpen in baseball but no one would ever think that but when you go back and you we watched all these games, obviously, and you look at where the Orioles thrived. There was late in games when they were able to only be down a couple runs or actually be up. That bullpen really helped them hold it down, and that is something I think the Orioles are going to be able to build on this year. And then, obviously, like we said, we have Trey Mancini back. That in itself, you're adding a 25 home run, 300, near 300 hitter, along with who I think Mikhail Franco honestly could step up and change his senior. Last year, he had a good season. He is a guy that can steal you 20 bases and hit 20 doubles. And I think that's something we haven't seen here for a while either, whether we see what's going to happen with Anthony Santander or not. I'm not too worried because of that farm system. And one place we are really loaded at is that outfield position. When you think about people like Ryan McKenna could be out there using LDS looks like really is kind of ready in spring this season um, to come up at some point this year and, and finally make those moves that we made in that fire sale look like they're, doing something, you know, and I think in terms of perception, that's going to help the Orioles a lot just based off how it looks, you know, but Leroy, I know you want to, you want to hop back in here and say something. Yeah. I just wanted to piggyback on something you said really quick, Justin. I mean, you, you said this is something that we've not really seen here in Baltimore in a while. And, you know, we went through a kind of a, a glory period, right. From 2012 through 2017, even. And, and even then, uh, you know, you're enjoying the moment, but there, there, there never felt like there was a plan in place, right? It was a, uh, it was a, a group of scrappy, fun players that loved to play the game, led by a manager who just knew what he was doing, and and it, he made it work. But there never felt like it was a long term plan. There's a plan in place right now, and and if nothing else, we can hang our hat on that that there's a plan, and hopefully. We're, we can't get out of this without talking about the elephant in the room. Hopefully that plan does not include Chris Davis. I love him as a person. Absolutely love him as a person. He stole money from this team, right? It should have never been given to him. And uh, of course, we may not even see him play last year. We, this year, we may not, we not, we may not see him play in an Orioles uniform again, to be quite honest. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that, that kind of, uh, the Chris Davis signing kind of spelled out exactly what was happening from 2012 through 2017. And we were really playing with monopoly money at that, that point and everything was fool's gold. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how Orioles fare this year. We're going to be keeping our eye on that, obviously, but next we're actually going to jump over here. We're going to jump to the Red Sox. Um, the first thing I want to say last about last year with this Red Sox team, when you look at their lineup, it, it was their pitching just simply was it, it was bad um this is a team that was way too good to be as bad as they were last year they actually came in fifth in the al east the orioles were a couple games ahead of them but that is not something that's going to happen again in my opinion here in boston especially they went out and did help their starting rotation a little bit they went out got garrett richards we're going to see martin perez here again Nathan Yavaldi always is going to be pretty good. And of course, Eduardo Rodriguez, the former Oriole prospect, is back this season. You know, another heartwarming story in him. He had a um, heart condition from a diagnosis from COVID last season, end up not playing all year. So he's another player who's going to come in. I think he's their opening day starter, actually. 
is going to come in and help that bullpen that's going to go along with the again the lineup that is still really good i mean you have xander bogarts at short Raphael devers at third two of the better hitting infielders you still have jd martinez you can he's always been a power hitter when that power is going to go down the thing with him is he's such a good contact hitter he's still going to hit the ball in that dh position for the red sox obviously you know they're still recovering from the loss of mookie betts when when you lose a player like mookie betts you're losing the face of your franchise but i think alex verdugo is a really good fit and i think this is a season where he's going to break out and kind of have boston red sox fans feeling a little better about trading uh, ben Intendi as well because again remember in their championship run he was very clutch for them especially in the playoffs and across that whole season as a young player they thought he was going to be the next Mookie Betts for the Red Sox ironically it kind of worked out the same way just a little a little quicker you know but I'll go to you Leroy first I want to know what you think about about the Boston Red Sox yeah so the, so the Red Sox so my father-in-law is a Red Sox fan so I guess I got to be easy a little bit just think you know he, he listens and uh, so got to be easy but I was reading one of the uh, more popular maybe even the most popular Red Sox blogs out there and the first line was the Red Sox have been really really bad of late that's what the first line was this is how warped red sox fans thoughts of their team are it's absolutely insane you won the world series in 2018 <laughs> in 2019 you went 84 and 78 this is not a really really bad team by any stretch of the imagination as a matter of fact if we look back to last year in february of last year when we were still thinking about maybe getting a full season in fan graphs had them going 85 and 77 with a 562 winning percentage and in july even with the shortened season they they had them going 30 and 30 and of course they underperformed that but they underperformed that due to their pitching it was that they had some they had injuries they lost chris sale one of the best pitchers in the game uh they lost uh eduardo rodriguez uh, as, as justin said this offense is is a beast uh right now as it sits without mookie betts is a beast uh last year they finished fifth in the al and ops plus they finished first in the american league in batting average and this was with an abnormally bad year from jd martinez um, we're not going to see J.D. Martinez bat in the 214 range again. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, so you know, the, the Red Sox have a lot of big bats that play in a lot of small ballparks here in the AL East, and they're getting Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez back, and, they're, you know, sale, sale potentially coming back at some point this year. So, you know, we could see a, a point in the season with Chris Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Eovaldi, Martin Perez, and Nick Pavetta as their starting five, and that's just about as good as you're going to get uh, in the American league. Um, not only that, they've got Bobby doll Who's, who's hitting the cover off the ball this spring. The only thing with Boston is they just seem to have no plan. Are they rebuilding? Are they going for it? They're doing neither to be quite honest. They've got the 24th ranked farm system system in major league baseball. So they're not, they're not in a rebuilding mode and they don't really appear to be going for it. I think, you know, what they're doing right now appears to be riding out this blue Jays, uh, spending spree and, and, waiting to compete with the Yankees in a couple of years, I guess, you know, they've got the money they can, they can spend it on, on young arms and young bats, but uh, yeah, you know, they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. They're not going to be as good as the Yankees, Blue Jays and Rays. Yeah. The, it's hard to think and imagine that the entire Boston Red Sox outfield is different from when they won the world series, just 
three short seasons ago. Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Andrew Benatendi are all gone from that team, right? That's the prime position players on your team. But you still have Xander Bogarts, uh, Raphael Devers, J.D. Martinez still in that lineup. Uh, very underrated catcher and Christian Vasquez, I might add, too. Um, and then, like Leroy said, you got Bobby Dahlbeck hitting the cover off the ball. Michael Chavis, who can pimp a home run when he hits one. Um, and then, but then they got these really underrated signings, right, with Kike Hernandez and Marvin Gonzalez, who can play everywhere on the field. That's that's a big thing for me. And Alex Verdugo looks like he's going to be a great player for them, um, sad to say, uh, being an Orioles fan. But he looks like he's going to be a great player. Um, and then they have these young uh, outfielders, especially one named Jaron Duran. Uh, noticed him in spring training. He's going to be looking to be in their outfield soon rather than later. Um, I just think the Red Sox – had a just a blip in the system uh last year right it was just a bad year where that pitching was their you know their achilles tendon really and um yeah they're going to be back and actually nate Ivaldi is going to be the opening day starter after eduardo rodriguez is dealing with a dead arm um right now but regardless of that getting garrett richards will help nick pavetta is going to come back um and like leroy said you could see half a season of chris sale as well. Do I think it's enough to get them to the postseason in a wild card spot? I don't really. I, I just don't see it. Um, I just can't wrap my head around Boston getting back in the postseason right now, especially without a full year of sale. Uh, and you still got Eduardo Rodriguez dealing with health issues. So I think it's going to be a fourth place finish, in my opinion, for the Red Sox this year. See, it's, it's interesting because Leroy kind of said it. Red Sox kind of look like they don't have a plan. You but they can so easily go either way. I really can see this lineup being a team that does win 80-some games. Ironically, in the AL right now, that's not good enough for a wild card spot. But I don't really think they've lost too much. You know, they did lose Jackie Bradley Jr., who's just a, always has kind of been a phenom of a center fielder. But I don't – I've never been that sold on him. I think a lot of Red Sox fans were upset about that move. At the plate, you're not, you're not losing much. When you bring in Kike Hernandez, that guy's going to hit you at – crap ton of home runs too you know he's probably going to have around that same average at jackie bradley jr you're going to have a higher ops from him in my opinion he's going to especially in a place like fenway in that short right field wall i mean he's going to hit accidental home runs over that and then jd martinez like leroy said he's not going to be as bad as he was last year there's just it's just not possible it's jd martinez so it'll be really interesting to see the main thing for the Red Sox is are these few pieces they brought in are they going to make a difference with the Marlon Gonzalez and the Kike Hernandez as you're going to and Hunter Renfro as you're going to see a lot of them in their lineup um I do think last year was a fluke <coughs> part of me I think they're going to be much better than they were last year because part of that is I don't think you can play much worse you know than they did it, it was pretty bad if that pitching can stay around and help out their their lineup i think i really do think they will be all right not i don't know about wild card team but i think they'll be in the discussion but next we're going to uh jump over the border here actually up north we're going to talk about the toronto blue jays who you can still consider they were the buffalo blue jays last year they played all their games in in buffalo but talk about a team that is up and coming we keep talking about the padres and the white Sox, these exciting teams i think the blue jays are right there with them i mean you look at just some of the pieces they have vladimir guerrero jr we knew since the second he was in the minor leagues he was the number one over prospect he was going to be a beast hit the cover off the ball it's like his father you think he finally found his place 
there at first where I think that suits him a lot better than when he was playing third base. So seeing him, you know, settle in, that that's going to be real good. And obviously they went out and they got George Springer in the offseason on that big six-year deal. That was a move that says we're ready to do something, you know, now and keep it going for a while. When you talk about the Royals and these bigger long-term deals, they're in it for the long haul. The Blue Jays are kind of that same way and they're a couple years ahead of them. You know, and I think they're ready to make that push. As we saw them in the, in the playoffs last year that got bested by the division rivals, the Rays. But that's kind of indicative to where they are right now. You know, they're pretty close. They're right there, but just not quite yet. And I mean, there's just even more pieces in that lineup that are so exciting. They also now got Marcus Simeon, who's actually going to be playing second base for them, as you also have Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, another two really young, I think both underrated players, as well as in their starting rotation, you're going to see um, Young Jun Rio, who formerly was just has always been very good also I think underrated and he's going to cause problems for a lot of teams I think this season and you'll see a lot of Nate Pearson who I think is a, a really exciting young pitcher for the Blue Jays so I'll go to you uh, Jared first I want to know what you think about about the Toronto Blue Jays here in 2021 yeah the Blue Jays are going to be another exciting team it's going to be hard not to like them for what they did in a short period of time. They kind of like did the fast rebuild, right? It's like two years of a rebuild and then you're back in there. Like, why can't we do that? Right. You know, it's just, it's crazy. Cause one minute they had Jose Bautista, Troy Tulowitzki, Russell Martin. Right. And now we're getting the three sons of legendary players, Kevin Biggio, Bobachet, Vlad Jr. Right. Um, and that three is going to really carry them into the future. Um, and by the way, they drafted Austin Martin, who is supposed to be a really good uh, infielder coming out of Vanderbilt. Um, and yeah, that signing of George Springer, that was the move I was waiting for the Blue Jays to make, right? They needed to do this to get a superstar in their organization, other than the young guys that are there, right? You want that veteran guy to, to kind of teach these young guys and lead them on. Uh, in their careers. And then you got people like Lourdes Gurriel and Teoscar Hernandez. Let's not forget Teoscar Hernandez hits bombs, right? Like the dude's probably going to hit 30 home runs this year. if healthy. And Lourdes Gurriel, although he's not a primary left fielder, he's going to be in left field. And guys, it's sad to say though, with going back to Springer, he's going to start the season with an oblique injury. That just, that's fine because you could put Randall Gritchick there, the Oriole killer. You could put him in the lineup still. And Rowdy Telez will probably be the DH. I mean, Danny Jansen, a catcher. The weak spot for the Blue Jays is going to be their bullpen because right now I just can't find somebody who is going to be your lockdown relief pitcher because Kirby Yates is injured to start the year. He might not even pitch this year. Um, after that, you got Ryan Borecki, David Phelps, Tyler Chatwood, uh, and Raphael Dolis had a pretty nice year last year. Starting rotation, on the other hand, very nice. Young Jim Ryu is going to be your open-to-day starter, obviously. They got a young guy by the name of Nate Pearson who throws over 100 uh, and looks good doing it. Robbie Ray was a an underrated move at the deadline last year for them, uh, also with Ross Stripling. And you got Steven Matz and Tanner Roark uh, as well. Looks like a team that might go with a six-man rotation this year. A lot to like about the Blue Jays. I'm pretty excited about them. I definitely like this team more than I did the 2016 Blue Jays team that knocked us out of the wild card game. So, Leroy, 
Do you agree with me on that? I, you know, I do. It's funny. It's funny. You said a couple of things that, that, uh, was was has been on my mind. The Blue Jays are just such a weird team. They're a team that that you know hits on a couple of draft picks, and you know surrounds it with some big free agent signings, and competes for a couple of years. Uh, usually doesn't do much with that, and then they go back to oblivion for a little bit, and then they come back to the same thing in a couple of years. It, it's just it's just strange because they never. I can't remember the Blue Jays ever really doing a true rebuild like we're seeing now in Baltimore and you said you said why can't we do that and and the Blue Jays are right now the argument for why you don't necessarily tank and lose games on purpose to build your team because you you mentioned it uh the uh I call them the offspring right like the old band Biggio Bichette Vladimir Guerrero so so uh you know Bichette was drafted in the second round uh Biggio was drafted in the fifth round and Guerrero was signed as a free agent out of the Dominican Republic none of those guys came about because the Blue Jays tanked and had a high draft pick and and if you look at the Blue Jays protect, projected starting lineup six out of their nine guys are homegrown they're drafted uh you know and and you know they're they're drafted and they're not drafted early you know rowdy Telez drafted in the 30th round danny jansen who's been a disappointment but he's drafted in the 16th round guriel free agent out of cuba uh tiosca hernandez uh, i'm sorry bo Bichette, we talked about second round and 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 uh vlad guerrero as a as a free agent so um you know they're looking like a team that's going to be formidable this year. They're going to contend and they, and they didn't do it by tanking. Um, so, you know, they're, they're kind of, uh, they're kind of the anti-tank team. Uh, when you, you know, Jared, you mentioned their pitching staff. I'm not quite as bullish on the pitching staff as, as you are. I, I like uh, Ryu. Um, but after that, it, it, you know, it, it, it takes a downturn stripling, Steven Matz, Roark, uh, whoever they go with uh, are, you know, are all projected by fan graphs anyway to have uh, four plus ERAs and and Stephen Matz and Tanner Ruark are, are, are pushing five or over. Um, so I think that might be their Achilles heel. Um, but they're man, their lineup plays and their lineup plays, especially in the in the AL East where the where the ballparks are short. And uh, and, you know, they're going to be fun to watch. I think uh, they may you know, I don't know if they'll they'll give the Yankees a serious challenge, but I think they're they're certainly in the wild card discussion. Hey, Leroy, how does it feel? Just and this is not a stab at you or anything, but how does it feel to watch these young guys and be able to watch their fathers play in the day? Isn't that isn't that like an, a crazy experience just to see how far we've come with Major League Baseball and the players? It's just yeah. insane. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, it takes me back to when I watched uh, Babe Ruth and and then his son come up through the minors. <laughs> Leroy's not that I'm, old, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm just kidding. But but you know, you're you're right. So so Craig Biggio, Dante Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero. I, I, you know, I was a, I was probably older than you. And this is the first time I ever heard of Vladimir Guerrero. I was in my early twenties. So you guys are, are, you know, late, late teens, early twenties, whatever. And uh, I was out for a run with a friend of mine and, and the friend said, uh, Hey, you've got to check this guy out. He's coming up. His name's Vladimir Guerrero, and he's the best hitter I've ever seen. He'll swing at anything, but he hits it. Best hitter I've ever seen. Keep that name in your brain, and that name is still in my brain, and, and here we are. Now we're watching his son. Now his son's only 22, so keep that in mind. But either way, uh, yeah, you know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. As 
as a father of a of a teenage you know kid you want your children to be better than you were whatever whatever they do you want them to out earn you you want them to outperform you you want them to live a better life than you and uh the offspring here is uh is trying to do that with uh with their dads yeah, it is pretty cool. I know me and Jerry can say we saw Vlad Sr. I mean, we even got to see him in Baltimore for that last year. He was always one of my favorite players growing up. But, I mean, good luck to Junior, you know, being better. It's pretty big shoes to fill. That's Hall of Fame shoes right there. But I think the rest of the Blue Jays are just really exciting. And they're so young. They're so young. They have that core. And then they went and got those couple big signings. And I think that is a really good way to build that team. And that's going to be really exciting, unfortunately, for us as Oriole fans. I've always had that. Blue Jays, you know, they just mm, something about them, something about the their their logo and all that. It just they get me, but they're doing it right, and I I respect that fully. But before I could go on uh, forever about that, we're actually going to jump over here to our buddy Jared. He's going to give us our AL East version of his seventh inning stretch. Yep, that's right, Justin. Last special edition of the stretch for our division series previews. Last but not least, AL East trivia question. We did not get a winner in last week's trivia question. Excuse me, last episode's uh, trivia question. But we could get one this week. So let's get right into it. A least edition of this stretch. Who was the last player to lead a league in stolen bases the year his team won the World Series? And yes, it was from the AL least. Think about it. Can you repeat that question again? I can. The question is, who was the last player to lead the league in stolen bases the year his team won the World Series? So they won the World Series. And whoever this person was led the league in stolen bases the same year. How did it have to be fairly recent then? Because you're not saying yep. the Yankees. No, it, it's I'll give I'll give you this. It's either from the Red Sox or the Rays because well, it can, actually it can't be the Rays. Because they didn't yeah, win the didn't World win. Series. So you're basically down to the Red Sox. You have to think from the Red Sox team who won the World Series. There. That's, that should be, boom, giving it to you, basically. I mean, that's say Mookie Betts, right? That was my thought, too. But just to be different, I'll, it's got to so, be it. I'm going to say Mookie Betts. The only one I could think of could be Shane Victorino. But I don't remember him stealing that many bases. You got two chances here. You have the Red Sox team from 2013. In 2018. And Justin's going with the latter. He's going with Mookie Betts, which is a good yeah. guess. It's a very good guess. Yeah. But the I'll, way you're I'll saying say, that is telling me I'm wrong. Oh, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything. I, you know, just to be different, and I don't even know if this guy was still on the Red Sox in 13. I, when you get my age, your years just get all messed up. <laughs> but I'll go Nomar Garcia Parra. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, well, Justin's was closer but again, guys, I'm sorry to say that you did not get it right this week. The correct answer was Jacoby Ellsbury. Ellsbury he stole yep. 52 stolen bases. And then he signed that contract right after that, didn't he? Yep, with the Yankees, yep. and it went downhill. Like, from never there. played again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sorry, guys. Didn't get it this week. Uh, but hmm. we'll try for next episode. Uh, Davis, you got lucky, buddy. Last yeah, two episodes, and they, they didn't move, so you are lucky there. But we have to get into it. Let's get into your seventh-inning stretch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the seventh-inning stretch. All right, starting off, 
The New York Yankees first baseman Luke Voigt will officially begin the year on the injured list, Marley Rivera of ESPN reports. Yankees manager Aaron Boone confirmed Voigt has suffered a meniscus tear in his knee and will undergo surgery. He'll be shut down from baseball activities for the next three weeks and isn't scheduled to return until mid-May. Because of this news, the Bronx Bombers have selected the contract of one Jay Bruce. Mike Talkman also made the big league roster, while Robinson Chirinos and Derek Dietrich were both released from their minor league deals, but agreed to new ones to stay with New York. And some more bad news. I feel like the bearer of bad news for the AL East, but the Rays <laughs> bullpen received some terrible news last week as right-hander Nick Anderson suffered a partial tear of his elbow ligament and will likely be out past the all-star break. Um, so, and surgery has not been recommended for Anderson at this point, but he has officially been placed on the 60-day injured list. Tough blow there. And we're going to end the, the stretch this week with our beloved Orioles, right? And Justin mentioned this earlier. We have acquired right-hander Adam Plutko in a trade with the Indians, uh, according to the Baltimore Suns, John Mioli. Uh, we gave Cleveland a little bit of cash there. Uh, if you want to go hear all about Cleveland's interesting uh, rebuild slash non-rebuild, go listen to the last episode. Uh, but infielder Yolmer Sanchez has been designated for assignment uh, in a corresponding move to open a spot on the 40-man roster and also we got some interesting news today king felix hernandez has officially opted out of his contract with the orioles he now becomes a free agent we got to see a little bit of the king but not enough it seems so justin heading back to you man all right well thank you jared that is our uh, our last seventh inning stretch having to do with divisions there so we're gonna wrap up the ales here we got two more teams this uh first one here we're gonna talk about 2020s AL pennant winners, the Tampa Bay Rays. It's just ironic when we look at this AL East, it's it's so funny because we have the Yankees right there who are just dropping money everywhere. You know, it just seems like they can sign everyone. And then you have the Rays who just seems like their whole lineup costs less than a couple players on the Yankees, you know, by themselves. If you looked at uh, the World Series last year and the entirety of the Rays payroll for their 26-man roster was only a few million dollars more than what Mookie Betts or Clayton Kershaw were getting by themselves. And we talk about that all the time, but then it was the two team, it, it was the team in the World Series that was getting there on a $28 million payroll. They, year and year again, just proved to us why they show you don't have to spend all this money. And I'll tell you why right here. This is just crazy to me. When you look at fan graphs and you look at their 40-man roster, 21 of them were acquired via trade. And the thing with that is the vast majority of those people that were acquired via trade were, you know, acquired by giving up almost nothing. And that's minus a few people, as we saw in this offseason. Blake Snell got pulled early in the World Series and then got sent over to San Diego to be a part of that just, you know, super team that's going on over there. They also lost Charlie Morton, who went to Atlanta. But other than that, you know, the Rays are never really a team that are making that many big moves. To begin with there's not going to be a big free agent that's going to come over there and they're going to drop a whole bunch of money on them but i'll tell you what their lineup still set up to win them a good amount of games i i will say though that that rotation which was just solid last year including that bullpen when you look at blake snell being traded and nick anderson being hurt it is going to drop off a little bit of what we saw last year and i think as a part of that with the 60 game season they were just so good and i think that's not as sustainable you know, as people think, it, it going back to the 162-game season, they're going to have to fight through that injury. Obviously, Nick Anderson 
who was great last year was not great at all in the playoffs as we saw he really was a big detriment to them there but their lineup is the lineup itself is almost identical and that's before you consider the number one prospect in all of baseball is getting ready to hit the majors i love adley rutschman to death he's a great number two prospect um Wander franco is so hot so just even above him that you can't even consider him the number one he is just that good and we're going to see him at some point this year i'm not sure what that means for willie adamas who also is a former top 10 prospect coming up so it kind of shows you how well they're they have that farm system you know going for them and then they're going to have randy rose arena for a whole season who's still considered a rookie while also being the all-time home run leader of all time you know manuel margot is a the guy they went out and acquired during the last season still have kevin kiermeyer in center field who you consider their one and only like true guy they've had for a long time and it feels like they have you know they have had him forever but this is just a really fun team to watch to me I, i've always liked this team i like brandon lowe at second base at university of maryland alumni they're, they're just an excited team and their bullpen is still going to be really good but tyler glass now is going to need more help in that starting rotation i think than what the rays are giving him to get chris archer back and that's not the same chris archer that they had once had you know and i think they're leaving tyler glass now a little bit hanging out to dry here as we saw he did struggle last year and he's going to be their ace now with blake snell over there in big payland and in san diego so it's my biggest thing for the rays this season is going to be tyler glass now himself and i think that's going to be the biggest part of their success in this division and going for that wild card is i don't know if they can best the yankees in 162 games but leroy i'll go to you first i want to know what you think about the tampa bay rays here yeah so tampa bay is top to bottom the uh most well run smartest organization in baseball and and you know it's almost it's almost like you can't even argue that uh, they made they went to the world series last year yet they still have the number one ranked farm system in major league baseball it's it's absolutely insane what they're able to do year after year and you know coming into this year you know i'm doubting them a little bit i'm doubting some of the decisions they've made you know letting blake snell go letting charlie morton go um but it's hard to doubt, you know, it's hard to doubt a team that just seems to get everything right. And that's where the Rays are. So, you know, a couple of things, and and I, and I won't spend a lot of time on, on the Rays because they are a similar uh, team that they were last year. However, um, they need a few things to really break right for them to overtake the Yankees. Uh, for one, they need Brandon Lau to continue right to to pick up where he left off with in what was a career year uh they need uh randy rosarena to prove that he's the real deal and uh you know we, we on this podcast we love randy rosarena we loved watching him last year but small sample size and we need to make sure that that's real and they need tyler glass now to be healthy um if those things break right and the yankees deal with the injuries that they seem to deal with every year Tampa Bay could, could be up there again, um, but it's going to be tough. Uh, they do have, uh, you know, the one outside of everything that I like about the Rays, there are two things that kind of stick out in my mind. One, they have an elite uh, uh, right-handed pitching bullpen that is built to compete with the Yankees lineup. And two, they use platoons in a way that we haven't seen since Joe Altabelli in the 1983 Orioles. 
Uh, I mean, seriously, the Orioles, if you go back and look at the Orioles stats, they had Cal Ripken, they had uh, Eddie Murray, you know, they had Al Bumbry, they, you know, they had some guys, but then they had some, some platoons like, like, uh, you know, John Lowenstein out in, in left field and Dan Ford out in right field that you would never think of. These were role players and they used them to perfection that year to win a world series. And that's what Tampa Bay did last year. They used these platoons to perfection. And uh, that's something that they'll probably do again this year that will, keep them in the conversation with the Yankees for quite a while. Yeah, I agree with Leroy. And, you know, it's funny because the Rays are going to do the Rays things, right? They're already considering using an opener in the first series of the year because they're playing in Miami where there is no DH. So they're like, oh, well, if we start an opener, he'll go two, three innings, change him out, pinch hit. Yep, that's it is smart. It's very smart. And and if you got a rotation like the Rays, where it's it's good but it's not great, right? It's not elite. They almost had that with Snell, Glass, now and Charlie Morton last season, but they downgraded with that, right? And and you know what, Justin, you're right. Chris Archer is not who he was before. That's just obvious. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough is a solid lefty who they've had for a little while now, but he's no ace. Rich Hill, he's 41 years old. He's like Nelson Cruz age, uh, but not Nelson Cruz, right? Um, and Michael Walker, right? It's like you're getting the scraps from the table who could do something. It could be valuable for you, but they're not Blake Snell and they're not Charlie Morton. And you know, the funny thing is the Rays totally won that trade with the Pirates for, with Chris Archer, uh, getting Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass. Now all three of them are on the same team now again. So win for the Rays there. Bullpen, super heavy right-handed, but like Leroy said, the Yankees are super right-handed in their lineup, so that works out well. Diego Castillo throws 100 mile an hour, so does Peter Fairbanks. They're your two best options out of the bullpen now that Nick Anderson's hurt. Uh, Chaz Rowe, former Oriole, I loved Chaz Rowe and his slider. His slider has to be one of the most nasty breaking pitches in in baseball. Um, But here we go. Here's where it gets interesting, guys. Guys, do you know who Cody Reed is? Do you know who Ryan Thompson is? Do you know who Ryan Sheriff is? How about Jeffrey Springs? Right? Kind of these no-name guys, but they're on the raise and they're going to be good, right? That's the thing. They're going to be sneaky good. Ryan Thompson did have some appearances uh, in the postseason last year where he did pretty well. Um, Other than that, the lineup is pretty much the same. G-Man Choi at first, underrated first baseman. He's going to be a switch hitter now. Um, Brandon Lau, super good second baseman. Yandy Diaz at third. Uh, I have my questions about him defensively, but he's got a powerful bat. They got the, one of the best utility hitters in the game, and Mike Brasso hit that clutch home run against Aroldis Chapman, which, in my opinion, was the moment of the postseason, not even in the World Series. Um, and then you got the outfield that's going to be really good as well. Rosarena Meadows uh, and Margot with Kevin Kiermeyer thrown in there. And, you know, it's Yoshi Tsutsugo might be DHing. Um, but Willie Adamas' job is in question, like we said, because Wander Franco will be up this year. I have a good inclining that he will be up this year. The Rays are going to be good, as always. As Leroy said, they're the, the most well-run team. They have probably the best manager in the American League, and might maybe in all the baseball in Kevin Cash. Um, so the Rays are going to be good, but are they going to be good enough to beat the Yankees? We'll find out in the final predictions. But, Justin, take us away on your thoughts on the Rays, and we're one team away. Uh, from completing our division series preview. Yeah, the Rays are just going to 
they've always been really fun to watch, but watching the Rays and the Yankees deke it out this season is going to be really great because the way their team is built is just so cool. I do love the way that their lineup is almost built to just beat the Yankees and the Yankees alone. But that is such a really is a smart way to go about things. Cause I want to bring up again a couple years ago when, when in 2018, when the Yankees won or the Red Sox won, I think it was 108 games, won the division, ended up going on for that questionable World Series title. The Yankees won 100 games and were the wild card team. The Tampa Bay Rays that season won 90 games and missed out on the playoffs. And to me, again, that's just that's just insane. That's like a, a 12 and four team in the NFL not making the playoffs. You know, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think what we saw last year, they did so well, is they won a lot of division games. Ironically, they actually dropped a lot to the Orioles. We're still able to win the division. They won 40 games. They went 40 and 20, but they won a lot of division games. And then, as we saw in the playoffs, they went all the way to the end of that series with the Yankees and were able to beat the Yankees head-to-head, as we know, Michael Brasso, and that's just awesome home run off of a roll to Chapman. Easily was the best part of the playoffs. But I think for the... Rays and the Rays fans and the few of them that are out there, you know, um, it's going to be really fun to watch this team from game one to game 162. And then watching these couple players progress, like Randy Rosarino, I want to say right now, and Jared will vouch for me, that two years ago when he was a prospect on the Cardinals, I said he was going to be a beast and the Cardinals gave up on him too early. But as Leroy also said, small sample size, it's a kind of a big thing with almost like a majority of this lineup. You know, and then seeing them come next year in that full season is going to be really exciting with people like Manuel Margot also, who we're going to see for a full season there. Austin Meadows is going to keep, he's been a player that's just been getting better and he's going to, you know, keep getting better. I like Joey Wendell with third base, though. I will tell you that I'm not the biggest Yandy Diaz fan, as I like almost everyone on this team. He is one I've never really been, you know, that sold one. But we we will see. We're going to see the best prospect in all of baseball come up, probably wreck the Orioles. I hate to say it, but it's going to happen. And, Justin, really quickly, before we go to the, the, the last team here, we've said this from the start of the show through our postseason uh, episodes. The Rays still do not have a superstar. No. They don't. But I- they they win and they go to the World Series, and they, they won 90 games pretty much the last three or so years. They might get one in Wander Franco coming up. He might be the next superstar. But the last really raised superstar, quote-unquote, was Evan Longoria at the yeah. time. But even then, he, since he went to the Giants, he's been obsolete, really. But uh, they don't have a superstar. It could be a Rosarena, and it could be Wander Franco, but they don't have that one guy on that team. They don't have a Mookie Betts. They don't have a Mike Trout. They don't have a Freddie Freeman but they win and they get it done and they scrap their way to the playoffs and go deep every year. Cause so. they figured out how to do it without one because yeah. here's the best part about not having superstars. You don't have a superstar paycheck on your payroll. Exactly. You know, they, they have one of the lowest pay- payrolls in all the baseball, but yet they make the world series. Obviously they didn't win it, but they made it. I they mean, were, they, they, they were awesome. They gave that Dodgers team a run for the money. Eight, yeah. Just honestly, a much better team than the Rays. Yes. And the Rays made made them work, even if there was that crazy end of that was that game four with the botch throw and Randy Rosarina literally crawling into home home base. But it, it goes to show you what um baseball smarts can do against baseball money. And ironically, one of the worst decisions was made there 
by who we all agree is one of the best managers, but that's that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to get into that because then I will not stop. But speaking of the Rays, and we think they're going to be deacon it out with the Yankees all year, we have to come over here and talk about the Yankees. The one thing I can say about them that their pitching has never really, you know, been there. They always have this crazy lineup. Well, guess what? Their their pitching is there. I mean, I. I as much as that hurts to say as a diehard Oriole fan, like it, it is true. And I think this could be the year where with that rotation, they actually use that and do something. You know, they brought back DJ LeMahieu. That was a big thing, whether he was actually going to come back or not. He's still going to hit the ball at an MVP level, hitting over 300, playing a good second base. Um, it They're definitely going to hurt some from the loss of Luke Boyd at first base, the league leader in home runs last year. Um, really started hitting the ball a lot a lot smarter than in 2019 the strikeouts went down but they signed Jay Bruce and he has just shined in in the spring training and I think that's just such a Yankee thing to happen you know for something like that him to come in and then he will be at first base to start we will see Luke Boyd again obviously because he is one of their I think he's one of their better players he's one Yankee I can say I really enjoy watching but then you look at someone like Labor Torres, who's a former number one overall prospect, who they just absolutely finessed the Cubs for, gave him, rolled his Chapman for Torres, let Chapman get his ring, and he said, all right, welcome back. Now we have both of them. And you have Gio Yourcella at, at third, who's starting to hit the ball a little better. Very, very good defensive third baseman. I think a little underrated, just because people think he's on the Yankees, think he should be the best in the league, which he's not, but he is a very good player. The only part in this lineup that worries me is is their catcher, uh, Gary Sanchez. I just don't think he has it. I mean, we keep seeing things. It's going to break out this year. He's going to break out this year. Uh, maybe next year. I think that's one place that they're um we might see something shift around during the season, especially with this um this rotation. As we saw last year, Kyle H Kyle Higashioka was actually Garrett Cole's personal catcher. Garrett Cole did not pitch to. Gary Sanchez, and that's something that does concern me a little bit. As you see the rotation start to pick up, you know, why doesn't Garrett Cole want to pitch to Gary Sanchez? Do we see a little less of him and more of Higashioka throughout the season? But that's really the only flaw I, I, I have with this team at this point, especially their bullpen also is has been what's been good for a while. Now the rotation has followed that. But, Leroy, I'll go to you first. I want to know what you think about the big boys in New York. God, hell with the Yankees. I hate them. But they are the class of the uh, the AL East this year. You know, um, uh, their lineup is nasty. The, the, the Yankees are the anti-race. They really are. If you look, they, they've got one, one guy in their starting lineup they drafted. That's Aaron Judge. Everyone else is, you know, they've paid for. They, they've, they've traded. Glebert Torres, you know, they, they got a, that, was a, that was a steal for them. Um, looking at their pitching staff, Jordan Montgomery, Everybody else, you know, they, they're they're paying for. They're, they're the anti-raise, but you know, it 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 works too, right? That system works too. Um, there's no doubt that their lineup is going to be uh, just absolutely uh, treacherous for anyone to face. There's just there's no doubt about that, unless they get bitten by the injury bug, which they which happens. It happens to them every year. They've got injury prone players. And, and, you know, I had a professor one time way back, way back in the 1950s, who used to say to me, 300 hitters are going to be 300 hitters. It's just the way it is. You know, if you're good at this, you're good at this. 
if you're an injury prone player, you're going to get injured and they've got injury prone players and we see it already, right? Luke Voigt, boom, going. Um, you know, the, the thing about the Yankees, we know that lineup is going to be formidable as long as their pieces stay healthy. The, the pitching staff, it's better than it's been. I don't know if I'm as high on it as you are, Justin. Uh, you know, I look at Garrett Coles. He, he's, you know, he's an absolute stud. But if you look at the fan graphs uh, projections for this for this uh, rotation, potential rotation, uh, Cole, uh, Tyon, Kluber, Ger German, and, uh, and Montgomery, uh, Coles is the only one that is projected to pitch 200 innings. Uh, and Tyon is the only one projected to go 150 or more innings. He's at 155. Everyone else is less than 150 innings. So that tells me, you know, one of two things, either they're going to rely heavily on the bullpen raise style or, or, you know, they're projecting some injuries and we know Kluber is going to get hurt. Um, even within that um, we know what Cole is. I won't even talk about that. Tyon, his projection uh, is around a 4.5 ERA. Kluber is around a 4.06, which isn't bad, but you're only getting that for 20 games. If that, uh, uh, German and, and I'm pro probably pronouncing that wrong. He's, he's projected to be a 4.51 and, and Montgomery's a, around a 4.3, but again, he's only projected to, to pitch 20 to 24 games. So, you know, the, the rotation is going to depend heavily on the bullpen and their depth. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it's as good as they, you know, you know, we think it's going to be, um, the good thing for the Yankees is they've got the uh, lineup to, to overcome that, especially playing in the AL East with big bats and big parks or little parks, big bats, little parks. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Leroy. Um, the Yankees are only going to be as good as their health allows them to be until I see a full season of Aaron judge until I see a full season of Giancarlo Stanton. Until I see a full season of Gary Sanchez or Luke Voigt, I just don't know about the Yankees. I mean, they're good, obviously. I'm not saying that they're not, but their best player is not Garrett Cole, by the way. It's DJ LeMayhew. The dude's been hitting the cover off the ball ever since leaving Colorado. Even in Colorado, he was good. So he got even better with the Yankees. He's the best player on that team. I don't know what they're doing with their catching position, like Justin said. Are they going to go all in on Sanchez? Because Garrett Cole will be caught uh, by Gary Sanchez on opening day. And Aaron Boone's made that quite known. So although, you know, Garrett Cole might have more success with Higashioka, can you take that bat out uh, of the situation? I just don't know. Uh, Luke Voigt hurt, being hurt, that's going to kind of hurt a lot. And uh, Gio Rochelle is pretty solid over at third base, I must say. Bat and glove. I mean, he turned his career around for the better. And finally... Finally, Clint Frazier will be starting in left field for the Yankees. I've been rooting for the. I hate the Yankees. I've been rooting for this guy for the past three years or so for them to just give a chance to because they traded Andrew Miller over to the, the Indians and got Clint Frazier back. Brett Gardner's been there the whole time, and Mike Talkman's been in the way a little bit. Aaron Hicks signed a seven-year contract with the Yankees a couple years ago. He's been great, by the way. He's been a good everyday player for them. Clint Frazier starting at left field is it's really a good move by them, I think. Um, Glaber Torres, I have questions on defense at shortstop. I don't know what the heck they're going to do with Miguel Andujar. I don't even I haven't even heard his name in such a long time. Um, sad situation because he looked like he was going to be a pretty good player his rookie year, but the pitching is 
like Leroy said, it's going to be either really good or really bad, pretty much. Garrett Cole is going to be the ace. He's going to be Garrett Cole. Corey Kluber, he could be good, but he might get hurt. Like Leroy said, he has that history. Tyone, we don't know much about because he was a, what, a number one overall pick. Got Tommy John already uh, at a young age. And then after that, you're going to go to the young guys, Herman and Montgomery. Bullpen's actually kind of sneaky good um, when I'm looking at it here. You got Chapman, obviously. Uh, Britain's going to be out for a little while uh, with, with an elbow issue. But they got Darren O'Day, another Oriole favorite of ours. Uh, Justin Wilson. Uh, Chad Green's still there. Uh, they got the potential to win over 100 games, obviously. Um, possibly more uh, more like 105, 110 if, if they're healthy. If Aaron Judge is healthy, if Giancarlo Stanton's healthy, this team's going to be hard to beat. And and I I still have them. We're getting to final predictions right right up next uh, after Justin here, but I still have them at the top of the American League. Uh, and I think this will be the year that we possibly see that Dodgers Yankees World Series. I think it's a good possibility. So Justin, what do you think? Yeah, the I like how you said that this team really is as good as their health will let them be. And my lord, if they're going to be fully healthy, there's going to be a really good baseball team. There's at least six players in that lineup, if we're going to say Luke Boyd is healthy right now, that are not only could, but probably will hit 30 or more home runs. Like, that's just that's just insane. When you look at Aaron Judge, if he's healthy, he's going to hit a whole crap ton. If John Carlo stays healthy, he might be hitting the ball better than he ever, ever has in his career so far this spring. If he stays healthy, that's just going to be absolutely nuts. And then you bring in, they have depth now. That there was something I thought the Yankees have actually been kind of lacking in the last couple of years is their depth. And I think now they have a little more of that, you know, Tyler Wade is someone Yankee fans are just not high on, but he is a younger player. I think who will be good in on the bench, in the bench situation for him. They do bring back Brett Gardner, who is one of a homegrown guy for the Yankees has been there forever. Uh, for all we know, he could have had hair when he first got drafted. We don't know. It's been that long. But then they have Mike Tauchman. They said he's going to make the the squad. That that's a big one because Aaron Hicks is another guy who's could go up there and hit forty home runs, or he could miss three months of the season. Um, so you you really are right. It's based off of their health. But my lord, if they are healthy, that's going to be really good because I do think the rotation is just good enough to win them those couple more games. Because if you looked at them the last few seasons, they're twenty. Um, what year was that? 2017, one game away from the World Series. Again, 2019, one game away from the World Series. This past year, very close to the World Series is when they were beat by the Rays. So it's just hard to see with the improvements in that rotation for a team that has been so close and right there and their bullpen still being that good with with all you mentioned, Jared, and also Luis says is another guy, just a flamethrower out of that bullpen. They have so many things they can throw out throw at you. But my one concern with that is if you look at their starting rotation through their bullpen, there is about three left-handed pitchers in that 40-man roster at the moment. And that, you know, that is something. And especially when you're playing in a division with a smart manager like Alex Cora in Boston, who's great with matchups, and Kevin Cash in Tampa Bay, who even has built that lineup, you know, to help the matchups really to face the Yankees. Um, I think that is one thing that can get to them. Between that and their health, we'll see Domingo German back this year after all those off-the-field issues he's had recently. But then also don't forget they still have Luis Severino. If he somehow can come back off that Tommy John, either at the end of this year or come next year, 
that rotation just gets even better. If you remember, he was a guy that almost won 20 games a couple years ago before he got injured. So I do think the Yankees are in a much better spot than they have been. I can't wait to wash my mouth out after saying that, but they are, they are a very scary team with an MVP caliber DJ LeMahieu there, and they're, they're going to win a lot of games. They will be an exciting team to watch, and they're going to beat the Orioles a whole bunch this season, as much as that sucks to say, and they're going to beat a lot of teams this season. It's crazy to think, Justin, that the Yankees signed Luis Severino before he got hurt four years, like 50 mm-hmm. some million, and it's not even hurting them at all. Yeah. Their pocket. Their pocket yeah. is still loaded, and it's a sad situation in baseball that these teams, like Leroy's mentioned, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, are getting all these players, right? And they're just, they're overloading every other team, right? Yeah. It's sad for a a Minnesota Twins who are going to win 90 games possibly and get eliminated first round because they don't have a superstar uh, caliber lineup like the Dodgers or the Yankees. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? It's not as evened out as it should be, and that's kind of a sad thing going on. See, and that's what's scary with the Yankees for me now is they have all that money put into their team. They actually have a pretty formidable farm system getting ready to come up. And you look at, he's only 50 and he's young. We're not going to see him for a while, but I keep hearing about Jason. It, it, I'm sorry if I min- mispronounce it, but Jashan Dominguez. And mm-hmm. apparently he is just, you know, body major league ready. And he's like 18 or 19 years old. And then one we'll probably see this year is Davi Garcia. Just another one. Mm-hmm. That just, Hey, just someone else that is good. You know, that that's, what's yeah. going to make them really scary. Is it, in a good managed team, Aaron Boone is, you know, I don't think he's a Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi was a, I thought was a great manager. All those years we got to see him with New York, but he's, he's done a good job with the team. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can stay healthy. That's really all it is, you know, for them. One more thing before we go to final predictions, Jason Dominguez, just like you said, guess what his comp was. His comp was that he was going to be a mix of Bo Jackson and Mike Mickey Trout. Mantle and That's Mike Trout. Yeah. And he's 19 See, years old. I hate hearing that though. He's 19. You he's know, younger I hate, than me. Yeah. I hate hearing that though. Cause he, he's Jason Dominguez. Let him be that, you know, yeah. if he's going to be great, let him be that. So that, that bugs me, but you're also coming up a system in New York, the biggest market in all of sports. So it, it's just a different world than, you know, Ryan Mountcastle coming through right. Norfolk into Baltimore, Yeah, you know, so that I think that'll it's going to be tough for that kid, especially considering he's still so young. That's a long time for anything to happen, you know. And really, anything can happen in a short amount of time. But I mean, I don't want to say I'm excited to watch the Yankees, but as a baseball fan, I am because they're going to be an exciting team to watch. And I do have them winning this AL East this year. Um, you know, it's tough. You, I don't know if. Mm. The Rays, I just think their rotation is going to take a hit to what it was last year, and that's something that was so good for them. Even if it was tradition that, you know, they didn't pitch nearly as many innings of, as a lot of other teams, um, I do think that's going to take a hit. But I can still see them, you know, coming in second in, in this division. And then third and fourth is really going to be interchangeable for me between the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. To me, that's going to be those couple games between those two teams that makes that difference of, third to fourth place you know and as a team like the red sox if they start out bad again i don't think they mind too much getting a good draft pick because look at them this year they're about to have the number four draft pick heaven forbid there's two kids from vanderbilt don't get picked 
by Detroit, Texas, or or um the Pirates, you know, they're going they're falling right into the hands of probably one of the better organizations to develop people like that. So I I think the Blue Jays are gonna be coming in third, actually, with the Red Sox in fourth, but very close. And then our beloved Orioles will be at fifth. But I will see some improvement in the wing column. And that'll be that'll be good for me. But Leroy, what do you think about to say at least? I think the Yankees lose 174 games this year. Uh, you know, the Orioles are going to finish last. I mean, there's a good chance that they'll lose 100 games again, unfortunately. Um, to, above that, you know, it's, there, there are a lot of interchangeable pieces. I think uh, the Red Sox probably finished a little above them, but I, I do think they have a winning record. I think above them is Tampa Bay. Um, just too many questions in the rotation, as, as you said, Justin, and, and brains can only get you so far. I think the Blue Jays finish next, and I think the Blue Jays might push the Yankees a little bit. I think that maybe the injury injury bug bites the Yankees some, and, and the Blue Jays push them some, but uh, ultimately the Yankees win the division, unfortunately. Would you guys call me crazy if I said the Orioles would not finish in last place this year? Yes. Well, good, because I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say they finish in last place. Um, yeah, like Lira said, could lose 100 games, but I could also see a scenario where they go 66 and 90-something. You know, it's hat to- hat toss. You mean head- heads or tails, right? Boston fourth. I-, I just think Toronto's better than them this year all around offensively and, and pitching-wise. Um I don't think the Blue Jays are going to overtake Tampa this year, but next year, definitely. Um, so I got Tampa in second and the Yankees in first. Nothing really abnormal there. But uh, I will say, yeah, it's it's a disappointment for us O's fans. But I will say it's going to be an exciting year in the AL East. Uh, I will say that. And you could see three playoff teams coming from this division alone. So there you have it. Yeah, we know this is going to be an exciting division. In all honesty, it's one of the better divisions in all the sports, really. And unfortunately, our Orioles have to, you know, be in there with them. But it's going to be a very fun division to watch. You know, there's a very good chance a World Series winner possibly will be coming out of this division, as my prediction is with New York. But there you have it, guys. We're getting so close to opening day. That was our last division breakdown we have gone through all six divisions across the mlb if you missed any you want to make sure you want to go back check out all the divisions catch up on anything you uh you don't know let us know anything we missed and let us know what you guys think about these divisions and your predictions but for now uh our last episode before the regular season starts so for the last time before baseball season it is time to walk it off